time to crack open the old mailbag. That's right. You've sent questions. I've got answers for you as we celebrate one hell of a start by your Memphis Grizzlies. This is Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody. Welcome into Locked on Grizzlies for this Monday. My name is Peter Edmiston. Happy to be with you. Wow. What a start to the season for the Grizzlies. Five and one game tonight against uh, the old foe Charlotte, who has given the Grizzlies some of the worst games imaginable. You have seen the Grizzlies play horribly at times against this team. So uh, a little revenge perhaps is in order. We'll find out. But in the meantime, let's just let's just stop and not worry so much about what's to come. Let's focus on what has happened. And what has happened is a remarkable start to the season. Five and one. The one being a pretty bad loss in Dallas without Chandler Parsons, who we'll get to in just a second. But other than that, you're talking about two wins against the Rockets, a win against the Warriors, a win against the Pelicans, who are turning out to be a pretty darn good team, and then a win against the Mavericks, who are not a good team. But that's a pretty good run of games and an incredibly impressive start to the season, especially considering a few little factors that you have to throw in there. One, you're still dealing with a limited rotation. You don't have Jermichael Green. You don't have Wayne Selden. You don't have Ben McLemore. You guys have asked some questions about them, so I'll get to the discussion uh, about those guys when when that time comes. But uh, suffice to say, you're dealing with a limited rotation here. You're dealing with Andrew Harrison, who is uh, just awful. And yet you are still winning games. You won this game on Saturday night against the Houston Rockets when Marcus Hall and Mike Conley combined for 14 points. And you won against the Rockets. Now, granted, the Rockets didn't have Chris Paul, but this is still a very good Rockets team, if not necessarily a deep one. The Grizzlies have been amazing off the bench, particularly at FedEx Forum. Think about this number. The Grizzlies have outscored their opponents. Bench scoring. The Grizzlies bench has outscored the opponent's bench 195-74 to in the four games at FedEx Forum. 195-74. to That is crazy. That's an average of plus 30 or so in bench points per game, which means you can overcome a lot of garbage from your starting lineup when you're getting 30-point advantages every night from your bench. And that happened again on Saturday night when the starters did not look great and that starting group looked pretty horrible. Harrison with a minus 20 in a 14-point victory, which tells you a lot about uh, what he's doing out there right about now. But the bench covers up a lot of those sins. The way they're playing right now, and in particular, Chandler Parsons, who... I, I mean, I, I cannot tell you, I cannot put into words, I cannot even fathom how crazy it is that Chandler Parsons is doing the stuff that he's doing. It's it's not even, think of the craziest thing you can think of. I don't know. Asteroid coming down, hitting an alien, cracking an egg open, out pops Zombie Michael Jackson, that's pretty crazy, right? That's not as crazy as Chandler Parsons' turnaround this year. Chandler Parsons' turnaround is crazier than that crazy-ass scenario. It is insane what he's doing. He is right now, far and away, the leader in jump shots in the entire NBA. He's shooting 69%, of course he is, 69%. From jump shots this year, that's per synergy, that is a full eight percentage points ahead of Nemanja Bialica, who is second at 61%. This is among all players who have taken um, at least five jump shots. So, you know, you're talking very small window to, to qualify because we have just started the season. 
But even if you take out the non-qualifiers, no one's really in that neighborhood. No one's there. 69% on jump shots, which in, if you throw in the amount of threes that he's hit, he's his uh, effective field goal percentage is like at almost 100. He's, he's averaging nearly two points per possession when he takes a jump shot. That is like as good as it possibly gets. He's the best and most efficient shooter in the NBA right now. That's Chandler Parsons, who last year was horrendous on those jump shots, those same shots. And that turnaround alone, and you saw it on Saturday night when he scores 24 points, when he's just like, I mean, the guy is NBA jam hot. You got fire shooting out of every orifice. got to hurt he's he's doing all this stuff and like it's it's crazy to watch the crowd the crowd the same crowd that was booing him for the opener like a week and a half ago is chanting Chandler Parsons Chandler Parsons clap 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 it's 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 an it's a unbelievable story 24 points I, I mean I did not imagine at any point in time he would be that productive for the Grizzlies He's playing good defense, too, on top of everything else. The guy's playing excellent defense in addition to the offense that you're getting. And he works really well with that bench unit that is flying up and down the court, and he's just kind of hanging back, playing that stretch four, you know, taking plenty of shots, doesn't really have to defend anyone you know, on those units. There's not usually a ton of guys that he's really – uh, having to get in there and, and do a lot of dirty work defending. But, you know, he early in the season, he, he, he did pretty well one-on-one with uh, Anthony Davis. You know, he's he's done that in this in this season. So I mean, he's, he's shown a little propensity for defense. But he's got the best net rating of anybody on the team. He's playing out of his mind, especially when you consider the low expectations that each of us had and that you should have had. As a Grizzly fan, he is flying way over that right now. And I don't I don't think there's any need to push to put him into the starting lineup or anything like that. I think things he's really meshing well with that group. He's coming in. That's that's a good spot for him right now. I don't think that David Fisdale needs to 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 make any any major moves when it comes to that. Uh, I thought a very impressive performance by him. Unbelievable, really. Just kudos, man. I am thrilled to thus far have been completely wrong about Chandler Parsons. I hope I continue to be wrong about Chandler Parsons all season. On top of that, you had another, I think, frankly disappointing performance from Mike Conley in this ball game, who really just didn't get it going. But even still, if you look at his numbers per possession, Mike's not that far off from where he was last year. I don't think anyone needs to panic about Mike Conley. He's doing he's doing fine. I mean, he's not you know, he, he's not finishing as often as you would expect. His shots from outside have really struggled. But I I don't have a number on this, but I'm guessing the guy's got more rim outs than just about anybody in the league. So many in and outs, so many just rattle around and don't fall. They'll come. They'll come and he's still like if you look at his synergy numbers per possession, he's not that far off from where he was last year. It's pretty similar. So points per possession is good. I, I, he's he's made up a lot of the shooting at the free throw line. He's been really aggressive there. I wouldn't worry too much about him. Marcus has obviously gotten off to a great start, but it's the bench. It's the bench again. The top four net rating guys for the Grizzlies are all bench players, and that's, I mean, that's been just an enormous source of bonus. From the Grizzlies, they they've just been unbelievably good, and this Grizzly team, you know, they're 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 playing in some ways uh, like the team of the past. They're not playing very fast. They're the third slowest team in the NBA after flirting. You know, first couple of games they were kind of flirting with some fast pace in the you know preseason, flirting with a little faster pace. They've slowed down. They they still are faster than they were, but not nearly as fast as the rest of the league, but it doesn't matter when you're as efficient as they have been. And they, they have been extremely efficient uh, in terms of their offense and defensively outstanding. 
outstanding stuff. Uh, again, you look at what they did to the Rockets. And I think, you know, I want to give kudos to uh, the, the rest of that bench group. Mario Chalmers had a really strong night. Tyreek Evans has been absolutely terrific out there. I mean, really good. And Dylan Brooks, uh, who played excellent defense. Guy has been a really good defender for a rookie, especially. He was he did great work, bodied up on, on James Harden. Outstanding. He's done that before. He, he defended Kevin Durant in the post and did a great job. I mean, he's he's got – there's something about this kid. He's a long way from the finished product, and there's a lot of things that he needs to work on. But there's something about this kid. He's got some moxie or something uh, that it just it just works. It just works with this kid. He just he just gets it. And he, he looks confident. He looks like he's a part of things. He helps the offense flow. He's a net positive just about across the board. And for a rookie, particularly a second-round pick, that is all uh, gravy. You don't see that very often, and, and you never see that with the Grizzlies. I mean, you, you never see a kid with this much excitement um, for the Grizzlies. It's just, a, it's, just a, it's just a bizarre situation. So, again, uh, kudos to uh, Chris Wallace, John Hollinger, those guys, for, for going out and getting Dylan Brooks, coincidentally enough, from the Houston Rockets. They bought the pick from the Rockets uh, that became – Dylan Brooks, the Rockets certainly could have used Brooks as they look a little thin uh, from a bench standpoint. You look around the rest of the NBA, before we get to the mailbag, uh, it's a weird start to the year, man. It's a weird start to the year. Did you know that at the top of the charts, the top of the standings, that's where you'll find the Memphis Grizzlies. On the other side, the the Detroit Pistons, after beating uh, the Clippers and the Warriors back-to-back. It's a hell of a weekend. The Pistons are atop the East. The Grizzlies are atop the West. And uh, that would be a hell of a finals. And, and right behind, not far behind, just a half game, the Orlando Magic, who make their way to FedEx Forum on Wednesday night in what is clearly a potential finals preview. Tonight, the Hornets are in town. Can't look past them for that big finals preview game. But it's weird because you look down, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, for example, not even in the playoffs right now. Same record as the Nets, and they've lost to the Nets already. They got killed by the Knicks yesterday. They got killed by the Pelicans on Saturday. The Spurs lost by 30 to the Magic. We're in strange times. We're in very, very strange times. I mentioned the Warriors losing to the Pistons. The Warriors are in sixth spot right now. In the Western Conference. The Thunder are out of the playoffs, technically. Everyone is three and three. There's like five teams that are three and three. The only things that are consistent, the Kings not very good. Mavericks not very good. Suns not very good. Lakers, hmm, not very good. Mildly entertaining. Hawks and Bulls also suck. And that's about it. Everybody else, there are wide, wide ranges of variance you could see with the rest of the East and the West. It's very early, but you know what? Just treasure the moments when your team is on top of the Western Conference because those moments don't last very long. We'll take a short break, come back, and have the mailbag. That's right. We're going to open up. We're going to crack that baby open. I've literally gotten a mailbag here. I've printed out all of your questions whether via email or Twitter, and I've put them in a bag, and I'm going to crack that bag open, and I'm going to reach in there, and I'm going to get those questions out because, damn it, that's the spirit of the mailbag. Let's get a real mailbag going. We're going to do that next here on Locked on Grizzlies. Got to tell you about our friends at Outdoors, Inc. Outdoors, Inc., and this weekend, certainly in the Memphis area, it was cold. It was really legit cold, and I'll tell you this. On Friday night, I also happened to call play-by-play for high school football. You may not know that if you listen to the podcast, but I had to do it outside in the rain in like 35-degree weather. That was cold. It was really cold and windy and all of that, and I was so glad that I had my jacket that I got over at Outdoors, Inc., this sucker is insulated. This sucker was waterproof. So I was out in the rain. The rain was just kind of sliding off of me. 
It was insulated, so I was as warm as I could possibly be considering the circumstances. And I was out standing outside in a cold, wet, rainy situation for, I don't know, two and a half hours on the air. So I can't like go anywhere. I got to stand out there and do this game. That's where you, you got to get the right gear. And that's where Outdoors Inc. can help you with that right gear, can help you feel good, can help you look good. And in my case, can probably keep you from getting hypothermia or pneumonia or something. By standing out there, you're going to be out in the cold and around this time of year, you're going to be taking your kids trick-or-treating. You know what? It's going to get cold. Make sure you've got a jacket that works. Make sure you've got outerwear that works. Make sure you've got insulated clothing that works. You're going to go hunting in this kind of weather. You're going to go out fishing in this kind of weather. You're going to go out and just do anything. You're going to run. You're going to kayak, whatever it is. Some of you guys are crazy. Some of you guys are crazy. Go get your gear at Outdoors Inc. They're just as crazy as you are. They will love to help you. And if you use the promo code L. O Grizzlies. That's L O Grizzlies at outdoorsinc.com. You are going to save yourself 10% off your entire order. That's right. 10% off your entire order with promo code L O Grizzlies at outdoorsinc.com. They got five Memphis area locations, including Jackson and the website L O or rather outdoorsinc.com, excuse me, with the promo code L O Grizzlies. All right, so it's time to crack open the vaunted mailbag. We're going to do this on a relatively frequent basis because you guys have put together a lot of excellent questions, and I got a ton. So I'm going to get through as many as I can. Those of you that emailed, um, I'm going to read select portions of your email. Probably not going to read the entire thing. Some of you had some really long ones, which were great. I read them all, but I don't know if I want to read every word uh, of that email allowed here on the podcast, but we'll get to the relevant stuff. And if you had multi-part questions, I'll try to get to the multi-part questions as uh, all of them. So I appreciate I appreciate everything that you guys did. I appreciate you guys sending uh, all that stuff uh, to me on Twitter or uh, via email, Peter, uh, P. Edmiston, rather, at gmail.com. Forgive me for my voice. I've been sick all weekend, so I'm trying to uh, get through it. If I sound a little raspy or a little hoarse or if I cough or something like that, I'm going to do my best not to, but uh, just bear in mind, I've been a little under the weather this weekend, so uh, I'll do the best I can. Okay, so let's start the old mailbag. Let me crack that baby open. All right, good. Print out all this stuff. Number one. Here we go. All right. This comes to us from Thomas Failer. He says, let me introduce myself. I'm from Guadalupe. Guadalupe a small French Caribbean island, and I embrace the grit and grind era. I'm running uh, myself a famous French NBA podcast called Dunk Hebdo. I assume that's Dunk Hebdo. In France, they sometimes call me the official French grizzly specialist for France. Seems a tad redundant, but I get it. Les spécialistes français des grizzlies. Did I say that right? Probably not. My apologies. French is not my thing. But Thomas, thank you for the email, and thank you for repping the Grizzlies, and more importantly, for repping Locked On Grizzlies in Guadalupe. What up? Guadalupe, the home of Michael Petrus, as I recall. The home of several famous soccer players. Thierry Henry, I think, is Guadalupean, among others. A lot of NBA players from Guadalupe. So here are my questions, says Thomas. Do you think the Grizzlies can be a top five defense and a top 15 offense this season? Ooh, man. Okay. Um, I think, I think those are going to be, uh, difficult goals to reach. Um, probably more likely to be the top 15 offense than the top five defense. Top five defense is a really high bar to hit. Uh, I think this team can probably edge in to the, like maybe 11 to 15 range in terms of, of offense. I think that's probably reasonable to to hope for. Uh, as far as the defense goes, right now they have been excellent defensively to start the season. Have been tremendous. But to expect that that could be the case long term, hmm, I don't know. See, right now the Grizzlies are 16th in terms of offensive rating. Right, So right on the edge of that top 15, they are eighth in defensive rating, and they've had a really good start to the season. They're still eighth 
defensive rating. They're a little better if you look at per possession number synergy, um, you know, depending again on, on what you go by. And, and there's, you know, around the league, there's different ways to chart defense. They're fifth uh, in per possession synergy defense. Um, so, you know, like which way do you go? I, I don't know. But I think, I think that's probably more likely to be the top 15 offense than the top five defense. Very lofty goals. And should they get there, they will be excellent. He continues. That's question one from Thomas. Question two from Thomas. He says, I'm on Jarrell Island since day one. I thought you were on Guadalupe. Maybe Guadalupe is Jarrell Island. Uh, I think he can really be a guy that we can count on for the future of a modern era. He's got problems with not fouling, turnovers, finishing at the rim. He says, I know that's a lot. That is a lot. You're right. But if he can improve those, he can be really good. Do you think that uh, you can forget the old Jarrell and only base the improvement curve on the training camp Jarrell? Well, uh, you cannot just forget the old Jarrell. You can't forget the old anything. Like Chandler Parsons, all that stuff. You can't forget the old version of your players. You can hope that that version is gone, but you can't just completely wipe that away. However, you probably can feel pretty good, and the Grizzlies did. I mean, hell, they they had basically cut Jarrell and just had to keep him because he was so strong in camp and because of the positions and knowing that they would, you know, need uh, a guy like him. And turned out that because of the injury to Jermichael Green, they really needed a guy like him. Um, I, I think I don't I don't think you can just totally forget Jarrell, but but you at least the old Jarrell, but you you probably can base the improvement curve uh, to some extent on this new Jarrell. He's been pretty solid. Um, he looks certainly more capable of hitting the outside shot. It's not consistently there. He's been uh, stronger at the rim because he looks uh, lighter and he looks like he can elevate a little bit better. Defensively, he's been hit and miss, but but probably good enough. He's definitely a rotation guy, uh, and that's more than he was. So, you know, I don't know long term when Jamichael gets back, you know, where you go with Jarrell, but but I think he's, he's earned uh, the right to be on this team, and he's been a contributor. Final question from Thomas is about the Grizzlies' uh, first-round pick in 2019 that is owed to Boston, but it is protected uh, 1 through 8 in 2019 and 1 through 6 in 2020, then unprotected in 2021. Thomas wants to know, uh, should the Grizzlies keep it until it's unprotected, which would mean, of course, that you would have to tank and somehow get yourself uh, next year to be one of the worst four teams in the league because of the way that the lottery would go? Uh, or should you um, go hard and make sure that it conveys in 2019, even if you miss the playoffs and you give up a, a pretty high pick? Yeah, I mean, I think I think at this point, they've the way things have started this year, you know, again, unless you have some really bad injury luck uh, or something in the offseason, uh, otherwise, I, I think you've you feel pretty good about the um, the core that you've got. You would think that that's going to convey. If you play your cards right, if, if everything goes well, you convey that pick and it's like, um, you know, a, a mid first kind of thing, like an 18, 19, 20, something like that. And, and you live with it. And it's not it's not ideal. You'd love to have your first back, but that's just the way that it goes. And and then you're you're good to go from that point on. You're you're back to your normal picks. You know, if you if you get bad injury luck, then maybe you do tank and try to hang on to that pick. But, uh, you know, based on where you're at right now and. Mike and Mark both look good and look like they're going to be good for the next couple of years anyway. So uh, you may as well go ahead and try to you know, keep that window uh, open as much as you can. Um, Grizzlies France with a, an email at Grizzlies FR, another French connection. I, I, I feel I feel honored. Thank you. Merci. He says, uh, how do you explain this incredible lack of focus against bad lottery teams? It happens every year in spite of the veteran leadership um, that uh, the Grizzlies have. said Mark and Mike, and then, of course, you have Fizdale and Mario uh, Chalmers, who have won championships. says, thanks for the pod. I listen every day. Thank you for listening. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's a good question. Um, I think it's a little early to say right now that the incredible lack of focus, because I think the Grizzlies... Um, for example, what, what they did against Dallas this year on the road, um, you know, it was kind of similar to what happened with, with Houston, actually. And it just so happened that the Houston game, they came back. 
they didn't come back against um, the Mavericks, but they they often do that. And um, you know, I, I think it's probably true of every team, maybe more so for the Grizzlies. But I think it's a little bit overblown, honestly. Like if you look already this year, we we talked about it earlier in the pod. I mean, Cleveland has had some bad losses, lost the Knicks, lost the Pelicans. Um, same thing with the Warriors, you know, uh, same thing with the Thunder and, you know, uh, the the Nuggets. It's, you know, teams that are, not to say the Nuggets are as good as those other teams, but they had a lot expected of them. I think it's the NBA. I think it's the NBA, honestly. So um, it has not been ideal for the Grizzlies, and I think at times it has cost them seeding, but I don't think it's necessarily anything worse for them than it is for other teams uh, around the around the league. Thank you for the question. This one comes to to us from Pankaj Sharma, who says, uh, and and this is this is well set up. So I'll I'll read a little bit here. Pankaj says, uh, "We've known for years that despite the strengths of Core Four, it was also their inconsistent play that led to downfall in many games to under five hundred teams." That's referring to the last question. He says, Conley is still exhibiting the same trait so far, uh, although Gasol showing more consistency. I think Conley's a step slower and seems to have gained weight, aside from his hair. Now, come on, the hair is not that heavy. Uh, <laughs> the question is after that, and, and let me, excuse me, let me comment on that for a second. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, think, I, think, I don't think Mike Conley's a step slower. Uh, I don't think he's gained weight, uh, or at least you know, negative weight. He may be a bit stronger, but I don't think that's adversely affected his ability to be quick. He looks as quick to me. Um, I think he's just, like I said earlier, I think he's just had some bad luck. Um, he, his shots have been pretty good, and on a per-possession basis, he's pretty much where he was last year. So he's still one of the leaders in offensive rating when he's on the floor for, for, the, uh, for the team. The team has a plus, let me find it here real fast. They are uh, plus three offensively uh, in points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor versus um, when he is not on the floor. Actually, excuse me, that's a plus eight. Uh, so he, he does, even though he's not necessarily putting up the same kind of numbers, he's still having a very positive impact on the Grizzlies. Um, question says, aren't we putting too much faith in Selden or Mclemore? thinking that they will be more productive than Harrison and or Ennis says um, that's that's one question and then there's another question that he'll set up so let me get that one first uh, the answer is n- uh, no short answer is no because as far as Ennis goes I don't think Ennis is the issue here we're not talking about Ennis we're talking about Harrison there is virtually no chance that either Selden or Macklemore, really both, could be less productive than Andrew Harrison. That is almost an impossibility. Andrew Harrison has been just awful this year. So I don't think too much faith in Selden or Macklemore is the issue. They will be, by almost just sheer dent of being out there and playing, they will be better than Andrew Harrison has been this year. He continues and says, um, I feel the Grizzlies' style of play is the issue. Bring the ball over and give it to Gasol. Conley's a big reason for that. I've never seen our point guards move the ball around. I don't see our players moving around screens and rotating the ball. That's why I feel the team cannot overcome the ghosts of the past. Ooh. Uh, the current NBA needs ball and player movement for success, but the Grizzlies seem to believe in bringing the ball over and just give it to Mark Gasol. Uh, said, what's your take on the Grizzly style of play, which is not conducive uh, when team is not playing on home court? I don't, I don't, I, I don't know that I would agree with that. Um, I think, first of all, the Grizzlies have typically not been a team that's been point guard heavy. They haven't necessarily run just a basic, you know, Chris Paul style high screen and roll over and over and over again, or Russell Westbrook like just let your point guard go crazy, do whatever. They have uh, certainly used Marcus All a lot because Marcus All is really good, and you want to use Marcus All. That's that's a good thing to do. He's excellent. He's an excellent basketball player. He's an excellent passer. He's an excellent offensive player. So use him. Mike Conley um, is probably, as we've talked about before on the pod, not even really the 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 one for this team for most of the game. 
certainly for portions of the game he is, but he's off the ball quite a bit. And um, so I, I think that I don't think that's the issue with the the offense. And I think the offense looks good, um, as we mentioned. I mean, if, if they can be in the middle of the pack offensively with the way they play defense, they're going to be a good team this year. So I think the style of play, uh, and I think it, and I think it travels well because they play good defense, which defense you know traditionally is the thing that travels very well. And so far, so good with the Grizzlies. Um, you know, in terms of playing on the road, I mean, they looked pretty good finishing the game out against uh, Houston. Not necessarily so great against Dallas, but the Grizzlies have typically been a pretty decent team on the road. Uh, so thank you for the question. Uh, Will has a question. He says. Uh, love the show. Thank you. Can you give us an update on Wayne Selden? Uh, when do you think uh, we can expect him back? Do you think he'll come straight back to starting for the Grizzlies, uh, come off the bench, or start back in the G League? Same question for Ben McLemore. Uh, thank you, Will. Um, I would say, as far as Selden goes, I, I have inquired for an official update and have not received word yet. So I'm a little... Uh, it's, it's a little... I wouldn't say alarming is not the right word, but I would have thought that he would be back by now. So I'm a little surprised that he's not. Um, I I don't know when to expect him back based on that. I'm a little more confident in Ben McLemore because I've seen him and, and talked to him, and uh, he feels pretty confident that, that we're going to see him in the next probably week to week and a half, maybe even a little sooner if all goes well, but probably first week of November. I would say, um, is, is a pretty decent guess for him. Both guys, uh, because of the, 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 the G League schedule, I, I would say probably not. Uh, there's a possibility, but I, I would guess most likely they're going to come back and just in, into the rotation. And I would think that Selden or Macklemore, either one, uh, would start right away. I think they would just slot right in ahead of Andrew Harrison because of how bad Harrison has been. And again, he's been really bad. You're talking about a guy in Harrison who is a minus eight in net rating for a team that's a plus five. That just tells you uh, where he's at, both offensively and defensively. Um, David writes in. Hello, David. He says, uh, what's your opinion of Andrew Harrison? Well, I just told you. Uh, will he be relegated to the end of the bench in active duty once Macklemore and Selden are healthy? To me, it seems that he's our only guard who doesn't deserve the playing time he is getting. Um, one part of me thinks Fisdale is in love with this dude because he always offers up so much support to him. Justin also um, texted in. Also, he said, uh, and that's Justin on Twitter, at AirMaxJD, says, what should we do with Harrison? Not sure what his plus minus is, but I am pretty sure we are losing when he's on the floor. You are right. The plus minus, as I mentioned, in terms of points per 100 possessions, he's a minus eight. He was minus 20 the other night <coughs> in that one game. Excuse me. Um, so to reference kind of what we talked about earlier, uh, I think Harrison is a guy that has maximized what is a pretty limited set of skills. I think defensively he is not nearly as effective this year as he was last year, and I think he's a drag big time on the offense and on the starting unit. I think the Grizzlies would be better by default getting off to the starts because they've gotten off to bad starts all year long. They'll be better by default when someone else is in that lineup. And I think right now he is, Fisdale, I don't know that he's in love with Harrison. I think he, he, he appreciates the toughness that Harrison showed last year. I think he appreciates the fact that he is big you know, physically, he's just a big guy, 6'6". He can defend, you know, switch, no problem. Defend multiple positions, that is important to, to Fisdale. But the offensive stuff is is a real drag, and I think it's it's dragging a whole lot down. I think as soon as those guys come back, I think Harrison is relegated to the end of the bench. Uh, would not even shock me if he gets cut for a roster spot, um, as you, you probably expected uh, towards the end of training camp depending on who's out there and what they need to do. Just that I think he's, he's, not, he's not shown enough to me to, to, to keep him around. But um, he's, a, he's a good teammate. The teammates like him, and um, that, that matters. That matters a lot. 
I just don't think there's much, much hope there long term. Uh, okay, so now to the Twitter questions. Uh, Nureli, Nureli, Nureli. There's no good way for the most part to say Twitter handles, Twitter names. It, it, you just sound stupid every time. So just forgive me if I mispronounce or butcher your name or just sound dumb. I'm doing my best. I promise. Say that out loud. It's, it's, a, it's a trick. Norelli at Norelli0728 uh, on Twitter says, could Parsons have some positive effect in the playoffs this year? Forget the playoffs. He's got positive effects right now. Guy's the best plus minus guy on the Grizzlies team. He's the best defensive rating guy on the Grizzlies team. He's the, he's the as I said, he's the most efficient jump shooter in the NBA by a mile. He's having a really positive effect. I'm as, I'm as shocked as you are, Nirelli, but absolutely he is. DB just DB at Okie Tech six two three says, uh, have you or anyone else asked Marcus all his feelings on what's happening in Catalonia? Haven't seen anything and I'm curious. Good question. Thank you for it. Um, you know, the independence situation, uh, they have declared, I guess at this point, uh, something of independence, but there's quite a bit of controversy about Catalonia and whether they can even do that and uh, where that stands when the Spanish constitution, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a mess. And, um, Mark, of course, his family, they, they are Catalonian. They are from the Barcelona area. So it is uh, something that is very close to him and Pau and uh, you know, his whole family. I have asked Mark about this, and I have talked to him pretty extensively about it. And uh, out of respect to him, because he didn't, he's, he's not made this public, and I, I don't, I'm not going to be the one that does it, I'll just keep that he's to, to, to between us for now, but yes, he has been asked about it. He has asked about it a lot, as you would expect, certainly by the, uh, Spanish and Catalan press. And it has affected, you know, the national team is, is, that's a big thing for him. And, you know, there are people from Catalonia on there. There are also people, you know, from the rest of Spain, the Madrid area. There's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. And so, yes, uh, we've talked about it. I don't, I don't want to be the one to say his words for him or anything like that. So he can do that uh, when he feels up to it. But he, I know, I can tell you this. Um, he also is, he doesn't want to talk about it publicly very much because he feels that it's not his place to do so. He says, uh, you know, one of the things that he has said is that he's not a politician. So he doesn't feel that it's, appropriate for him to weigh in on that sort of thing. So I'll just kind of leave it at that. But yes, maybe and maybe maybe he'll he'll say more. I hope he will. Because uh, he has a lot of interesting things and interesting thoughts, as you'd imagine, on something like that. Uh, Sean Harrison at Sean Harrison 74. He uh, writes, do you agree with kindly playing off the ball so much? And do you feel like it's helping or hurting the offensive flow and decisions? It's a good question. Uh, yes, the answer is yes. I, I think it's the right way to go. Conley is one of the best. He was one of the best uh, jump shooters in the league last year. He's one of the best guys coming off screens last year. He was one of the best catch and shoot guys um, last year and still is. So in order to get that kind of stuff coming off screens, catch and shoot, that kind of thing, you, you have to play off the ball. Um, so that's, uh, that's another part of the reason why Andrew Harrison has played because you need a ball handler out there to play, uh, the one. So Conley can be the two. Um, but yeah, I don't think it affects the, the offensive flow and decisions. And I think, you know, you, you can tell at the end of games, generally speaking, when push comes to shove, Mike is on the ball and they run, you know, that, that, that one, five pick and roll with he and Mark. That's a bread and butter play. They run that all the time in, in crunch time situations and then whatever, you know, they, they, they do off of that. There's lots of different things you could do off of that, but they, they run that. And Conley ends up being the, the one most of the time. And that's, that's what I, I, I actually asked Mike about that and said, you know, you, are you even a point guard? And he said, well, you know, towards the end of the game I am, which is true. He is. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. I think it hurts to some extent to have to play – a guy like Harrison for 
the extra ball handler, but if you can find a situation where you can get somebody else out there that's a little more productive and can still play that role, then I think it's good to have Mike Conley off the ball. I think it's it's the it's the right it's the right thing to do because of his shooting ability. Grizzlies don't have enough of those guys uh, to shoot the ball. Master of Mustaches at Master O Mustache says, "Was the Chandler Parsons JJ Barea jump ball a great moment in franchise history or the greatest moment in franchise history?" Tough one. Um, I would say merely a great moment in franchise history. The finest moment in big on small action or small on big for the Grizzlies was when Earl Watson blocked Sean Bradley. That is indisputable. It's incredible. It was amazing. And Earl should go back and watch it because I'm sure Earl is feeling a little low right now after what's happened in Phoenix. Uh, He certainly uh, didn't have a great three-game season. But it'll make you feel better, Earl, if you go back and look and go to YouTube, look at Earl Watson blocking Sean Bradley. It was absolutely incredible. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was at the pyramid and it was, uh, it was, it was really special. You're talking about, (laughs) what is that? A foot and a half difference. Sean Bradley was terrible, but Earl Watson better backup point guard than a coach. Probably crab meat at crab meat pickles is the username. The handle is at crab meat. I love both of those. As a name, I don't care for pickles as a food. I do like crab meat as a food. But I like the name Pickles, reference to Tommy Pickles, based on the uh, the, the avatar, which, of course, is Rugrats. And who, who among us doesn't love uh, Rugrats or didn't love Rugrats back in the day? So kudos. Anyway, at Crab Meat says, does the new criteria for shooting fouls encourage fouling on the drive too much? Any opinion on the change? Refs seem more involved, in my opinion. Uh, it's too early for me to want to really delve in like on refs seeming more involved. I think in general, I like the fact that they are being more vigilant on the shooting uh, on the fouls before the actual shot is gathered and in motion. I think that's appropriate. I, I, as much as it helped Mike Conley, for example, to be able to curl off that screen and feel the contact and then throw up the basket, the, the, the shot to get the three-shot foul. Um, it, it was interfering with the flow of the game, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't truly representative of what that foul, a shooting foul, was supposed to be. I think these rules are more along the line of what a shooting foul is supposed to be, impeding the shot, continuation, you know, figuring out the timing of it is a little bit tricky at first, but I don't, I don't get the sense that the refs are overly more involved. Um, as far as does it encourage fouling on the drive? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, but again, that's part of where things have gone in the league. You, you, you eliminate, you know, hand checks, you eliminate, you know, much, if any contact at all out there. And you have a bunch of guys setting screens. It's, it's going to encourage a lot more driving, which means you're going to get a lot more fouling on the drive because you, you're going to have, and especially because there's lots of switches, uh, you know, it seems like everyone is switching a lot more. Um, so you're going to end up with, with guys on the drive that are not necessarily always well-equipped to handle that. So that's going to encourage some fouling too. It's too early for me. Let's, let's, let's check back in on this in a month or so and see where, where we are. But uh, at this point in the season, I'm not overly concerned about it. Uh, our friend Matt Herdlicka. Uh, and he's got a Patreon you can check out uh, where he's writing some excellent stuff. If you want to throw in uh, a few bones to to him, uh, you can find that more on his Twitter at the Real Hardlicka or Hardlicka, I should say. Uh, don't don't throw an A in there. The Real H R D L I C K A. But uh, appreciate Matt's stuff. Matt says, which player has most disappointed you? That is an easy one, Matt. Deontay Davis, for sure. Uh, I really had high hopes for Deontay Davis this year. And the disappointment started in summer league. It continued through training camp and it has uh, continued through the season where it appears that he's more likely to be playing in South Haven in the Lander Center for the hustle than in FedEx Forum where he got two minutes of garbage time and basically spent it putting his uniform on and then adjusting said uniform when it wasn't right. Um, I, I, I really thought 
last year he showed a lot of sparks, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of neat ability, potentially defensively, the length, the explosiveness. You know, there, there's just a lot of need for that kind of a guy in, in, in the league these days. And the Grizzlies certainly needed a guy like that. They haven't had anyone anywhere close to that. And he has not developed. And in, in fact, he has regressed. Uh, I think that's a big problem for the Grizzlies. Uh, I was disappointed by Roddy Zagorats and what they had to do there. But no question to me, the most disappointed or the player that's most disappointed me, without a doubt, without a doubt, is Deontay Davis. I hope I hope something happens uh, on a positive note there. Um, at uh, Paca Flocka, Parker Fleming. Parker's a good guy. At Paca underscore Flocka, Paca Flocka Flame, says, does uh, Austin Nichols have more of a future with the Grizzlies than Deontay Davis? In a related question. Uh, God, I hope not. If that's the case, then it really is bad for Deontay Davis. Uh, I, I am not... Uh, I hope Austin Nichols has all of his demons taken care of. Um, I hope he can perform, but no, no. If that, if the answer to that is yes, then Deontay Davis is an even bigger disappointment than uh, we just talked about. Uh, let's see at, uh, a underscore Kegel one fly me to Chan Coon. Thank you for that name. My question for the pod is, do you think Chandler Parsons and Dylan Brooks will steal MVP votes away from each other? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, it will be the only thing that keeps uh, Chandler Parsons from winning MVP. Thankfully, Dylan Brooks will win Rookie of the Year going away. So, um, sorry, Ben Simmons. Uh, Dylan Brooks is clearly the Rookie of the Year. Chandler Parsons will finish probably, what, second or third in MVP. But uh, he should be first right now, after Saturday night, certainly. Must-see DC, at must-see DC, says, Who's the Grizzly most likely to be traded by the deadline? I still contend probably... For a number of reasons, uh, Brandon Wright, though, um, you know, he's, he's more bought in and you could see, uh, certainly a lot of, a lot of positive stuff from him this year. There are some lobs that are working better. There's the dive to the basket that's working better. He's, he's developing some chemistry with that second unit, which is nice to see. But, um, because of the, the nature of his contract, uh, the fact that I don't, envision that he's going to come back. I think he's pretty superfluous to what they can, they can do. And whether it be for a team that's just looking to squeeze out a little room this summer or whether it's to find a guy that's a little bit better fit. Uh, I still think that, that he's probably the guy that's most likely to be moved uh, by the deadline. Our friend, Matt Moore, hardwood paroxysm at HP basketball says, I have a question is Chandler Parsons shooting hotter than hot chicken or hotter than the sun. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Matt for the phone call. Uh, it is hotter than the sun. It is hotter than a thousand stars. It is hotter than the hottest thing you can imagine. When a guy's shooting 69% jump shooting, that is about as good as it gets. Uh, and again, it's only appropriate that Chandler's shooting 69%. I hope that continues all season. If, if that if that continues, that alone should get him the MVP. Uh, Edward, at Grizz Tiger Man, says, Why can't Tyreek be considered the third best player for the Grizzlies. Why does it have to be Parsons? Never understood the underestimation of his addition. Uh, the underestimation of his addition came from the fact that you couldn't really tell which Tyreek you were going to get. Um, how injured would he be? You know, he hasn't really been himself for a while. But uh, this Tyreek that, that's 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 out there right now, he he could absolutely be the third best player. On the team, he's been terrific. He's still on something of a minutes restriction, which is a little bit problematic because um, you know his his knees are not quite 100. percent But the guy is is still incredibly productive. He's in better shape than he's ever been. He really has cut body fat tremendously. He's one of the well, really all the Grizzlies have cut body fat. But he said in particular he's down to the lowest that he's been in a long time. He says he's having more fun and he really enjoys. This is the best offense that he's run since Monty Williams uh, back in New Orleans in terms of him just having fun and enjoying it. So, yeah, and, and all with all that stuff to to discuss, absolutely, he could be in that neighborhood. Um, it's it, the reason, <coughs> excuse me, the reason as a side note that it has to be Parsons is because of the money. 
I mean, Tyreek's making roughly, what, one-eighth of what Parsons is making in terms of the salary cap and everything else. So when you're talking about a guy that is, you know, roughly a quarter of your cap number versus a guy that's roughly, you know, three or four percent of your cap number, then it's a it's a big deal. And the other guy is always going to be at um, credence when it comes to the third spot. Patrick Swindle and our buddy Mark King, who uh, both asked similar questions. So I just lumped them together. And these are our final questions of the pod, I think. Let me make sure. Yep. This is it. At Delta Rice Farmer is Patrick, and uh, Mark King is at King underscore producer. Uh, thank you, both of you guys, for the questions. It says, what's the rotation look like when Selden and Macklemore come back? Uh, and Mark says, what happens to the rotation when they return? So same question uh, from both of you guys. I think, uh, as we talked about earlier, I think um, when both of them come back, I think Macklemore starts and Selden is coming in off the bench and Andrew Harrison is is out. Um, the only issue there is going to be what does that do for Mike Conley coming off the ball? And then you may have to kind of have a little more rotation um, with regard to Mario Chalmers then and allow for Mike to play with Mario a little bit more. Uh, Or, you know, you could try Selden as something of a, not a ball handler per se, but at least a guy that can initiate the action of the offense that could probably work, but um, I, I wouldn't think Ben McLemore would want to do that. Neither guy, that's really their best use. So they will be more of a true two. And uh, yeah, I think that will affect the offense a little bit. Um, but those guys are going to come in and they're going to immediately jump ahead of Andrew Harrison, certainly. And I think they'll play, uh, I think you'd start with McLemore and Selden would be uh, part of that second unit. The, the guy that could get squeezed is Dylan Brooks. Um, and those minutes that he's getting right now, I, I think would diminish a little bit. You know, I think his, his, his overall play and the way that he's played defense especially has been encouraging and, you know, tremendous. But as a rookie, um, you, you don't necessarily want to rely too much on him. Teams will start to adjust once they get a lot of video on a guy, so it's probably best to kind of dial it back a little bit and use him in in spots if those guys are healthy. So that'd be my thought. He's the guy that's probably going to get squeezed most of all. Ennis might get squeezed too if um, if you really want to try to make room for Brooks. The, those guys are going to get squeezed a little bit, but um, ultimately they're both going to play because they're both ahead of Andrew Harrison. I think Harrison goes to the end of the bench and maybe uh, out of the – roster altogether. Uh, thank you guys for all the questions. Hope I, I think I got to everybody's. If I somehow overlooked your question, please send it in again uh, and, and let me know and uh, I'll try to get back to it at another time. We'll do another mailbag uh, in a few weeks because you guys had so many awesome questions and there were tons. Like I said, um, I think I got to everybody's, but um, if not, let me know. Uh, thank you as always for listening to the pod. Thank you for supporting the sponsors. Thank you for being uh, such great, great uh, listeners because it really helps. Thank you for the kind words. That makes uh, makes this all uh, really special, and I appreciate what you guys say. I appreciate the um, the reviews and, and all that stuff. It just it just helps tremendously. So thank you very much for doing that. Enjoy tonight's game against the Hornets. We'll be back with post game edition for tomorrow. In the meantime, everybody be safe, have fun, and enjoy the five and one Grizzlies here on Locked On Grizzlies.